Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. Hey guys, hope you're having a great day wherever you are and sending out love to the Middle East because things are crazy out there. I know a lot of you have been hoping for more information on the sad case out of Bel Air, Maryland. I'm talking about Rachel Morin's case. She's the mother of five who went for a run on August 5th on the Ma and Pa Trail in Harford County and was discovered the next day battered and deceased along the trail. When DNA from the crime scene was entered into the federal CODIS system, the authorities got a hit. The hit was for an unknown criminal who committed a home invasion in March in South Los Angeles. Although we have ring camera footage of this perpetrator from that LA crime, his identity remains a mystery and this dangerous man is still out there somewhere. Most criminal profilers say it's only a matter of time before he offends again. On the Surviving the Survivor podcast yesterday, Rachel's brother Nate Morin was on the show, as was Matt McMahon. Matt is the father of Rachel's oldest child, a daughter. Nate and Matt were able to fill in some of the gaps of Rachel's case and to provide a more vivid portrait of Rachel. Matt said that Nathan is the person who introduced him to Rachel, and thus Nate helped pave the way for Rachel's greatest gift to Matt, and that is their daughter. Rachel had a lot of siblings, by the way, and a lot of them are stepping out right now to advocate for her, to try and get her case solved, and to get her attacker caught. Rachel's sister, Erin Morin, turned up on Court TV yesterday along with Sheriff Jeffrey Gaylor. Erin told Court TV that she was on vacation when Rachel went missing. Erin immediately returned home to help search for her sister. But when she went to the Mom Pa Trail, crime scene tape was already up. Erin said she and the family have been handing out the flyer that was created by criminal profiler Pat Brown. Aaron was surprised to find that many Hispanic communities in the area were not aware of Rachel's case. Back to the Surviving the Survivor show. When asked how the family is doing two months post the crime, Rachel's brother Nate said the family is hurting, some family members are angry, some are sad, some are depressed, and there's a lot of frustration. Nate said two months seems like a very long time to the family. I think what he was saying is that two months feels like an eternity for the crime to remain unsolved, especially given the fact that the authorities have this monster's DNA and the ring camera footage of him. Sadly, Rachel's murder isn't the only loss that Nate has had to weather over the past year or two. Along with losing his sister to this most violent crime, Nate also lost his wife to stage 4 cancer not long ago. And then a week before Rachel's death, his baby died of SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. It's hard to imagine one family suffering so many losses in such a short period. What are the odds and how much can one family take? Rachel's ex, Matt, said for him dealing with this tragedy has felt like sprinting a marathon. He, like Nate, was hoping the perpetrator would have been caught by now. He said he feels a leg in the case. It's making him feel hopeless, distraught, and exhausted. The last time the family heard any real news was when Ali announced the DNA hit to the crime in LA. Matt said his daughter, after her mother's death, was withdrawing from the world and staying home. But now, after two months, she's beginning to go out. She actually went on a hike with her boyfriend recently. 
This made Matt really happy because he didn't want to see his daughter lock herself away from life, and going on a hike is extra remarkable given where and how her mother died. Another of Rachel's daughters, a 13-year-old, will soon be seeing a grief counselor. It sounds like the family is circling the wagons around Rachel's kids. The way the family is describing this two-month period post the crime reminds me of the Gonsalves family and how hard a time they're having as days go by and they don't have firm answers about the crime and no one's been convicted of committing it. It sounds like every minute, every second after a crime occurs in a family is just pure agony until justice comes. The discussion on surviving the survivor then shifted to the reported lead out of the Washington, D.C. metro area. Per Sheriff Jeffrey Gaylor, detectives traveled to the D.C. metro area recently to speak to someone. Nate Morin hadn't heard about it. Matt had. Apparently, the detectives interviewed this person, but Sheriff Gaylor made it clear that whoever it is is not a suspect. The sheriff said they were hopeful that this person could point them in the right direction to the right person. Before D.C., we know the authorities had been to Chicago also to interview people. It's odd that they're having to travel to all these other locations. Some hinted early on that perhaps the perpetrator is a gang member. Could that explain these trips to D.C. and Chicago? One of the most interesting parts of the discussion was when someone asked about Rachel's boyfriend, Richard Tobin. We know a lot of people thought Tobin had to be the perpetrator just based off his past criminal history. Matt shared that his daughter told him that Rachel had been in a relationship with Tobin for about 10 weeks prior to the crime. Per Matt's daughter, Rachel very much hoped that Tobin was going to be her guy, meaning the one. She'd even given him a key to her house. Per Matt, Rachel wanted to spend all her free time with Richard, and she had asked her daughter to go on a double date with her and Richard. Matt felt that it was important to Rachel that their daughter approve of Richard. So although many people have painted the relationship as being brand new. It sounds like Rachel was in love with Richard and they'd been dating much longer than when they went official by announcing their relationship on Facebook. Matt was able to share information on the investigation as well. He said that a month after the crime, law enforcement went door-to-door -to, -door to houses near the Monpa Trail where Rachel was attacked and they were asking for security camera footage. Now Matt was frustrated that it took the cops a full month before they did this. Matt also stated that Rachel was an avid runner and that she'd been on that same trail many, many times in her life, so she felt comfortable there and knew it intimately. Matt also said that his daughter told him that where Rachel's car was parked near the trail is where she always parked when she ran there. So Matt was certain that Rachel had been on the trail on the day she was attacked. A profiler on the show was saying that he wondered if maybe Rachel had been attacked somewhere else and then simply dumped along the trail. But Matt was adamant that that's not the case and he said it looks like Rachel was a good half mile into her run when she was attacked, so it sounds like this crime went down soon after she arrived at the trail. Matt also let it be known that the authorities are looking at cell phone data to see who was in the area of the trail when Rachel was attacked. 
and they're also doing the same thing for the crime in LA. If they find that the same cell phone number was present during the hours of those crimes in those two areas, bingo. This is one of the ways the police in New York settled on Rex Huerman as the alleged Gilgo Beach serialist. Burner phones in his possession had dialed the four Gilgo Beach victims prior to their disappearances, and those numbers were used in Massapequa Park, where Huerman lived, and near his midtown Manhattan office. And one of the victims' phones was also used post her disappearance to taunt her family. That phone used a cell tower close to Huerman's office. Rachel Morin was wearing her Apple watch when she was attacked, so the hope is that the watch can help the authorities narrow down the timeline. The watch captures its wearer's heart rate, so it should show the heart rate as Rachel ran, how the heart rate changed when she was attacked, and when the heart rate stopped. No one seems to know if the FBI or any other agencies are making use of the DNA found at the crime scene to use investigative genetic genealogy to try and build a family tree for the suspect. However, that process takes a long time, and we know that if the perpetrator is Hispanic, IgG may not work. I made a video about that previously. It's in my Rachel Morin playlist if you want to know more about IgG. When Nate was asked to share one quality about his sister Rachel that he thinks really defined her, he replied kindness. He said Rachel had a lot of empathy for others and was very good at reading other people's emotions. Nate also said he could talk to her about any anything and everything. I think kindness is the best quality any person can have at the end of the day. To me, it's more precious than saying someone was successful, someone was pretty, someone was whatever. Kindness is what we should all aspire to, in my opinion. Someone in the chat then asked, what was Rachel's favorite color? Matt said that she loved orange roses and tiger lilies, which are also orange, so he felt it had to be orange. Let's hope this family gets answers soon, and that the guy responsible for taking this mom away from her kids and family is caught soon. And here's my reminder to all of us. Carry something to defend your if you go on hikes or walks or runs alone. I know it's better to go with someone else, but sometimes that's not possible. Whether it's pepper spray that you have in hand and at the ready, or a very loud whistle or something stronger, have at least one thing you can do and use if someone comes at you. Having those things on you, even when you're simply at the grocery store and find yourself in an isolated parking lot or a self-service car wash at night, you never know where predators lurk. I don't want to advocate for fear, but rather for being safe rather than sorry. Note that the reward for information leading to the suspect's arrest in Rachel's case is now at $30,000. If you have any information, please contact the Harford County Sheriff's Office at 410-836-7788 or email them at rmtips at harfordsheriff.org. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories. If you enjoyed this or learned something, please smash the like button and please consider a Patreon membership.